From Fort Tarsus, this is Javelin Radio with your host freelancers, Max, Cody, and Soko. Let's start this expedition today. Hey guys, what's up? What's going on? Yo, not too much, man. I just, uh, just honestly ready for ready for Friday. I'm still a little bit butthurt that we've got so many people that are already playing the game, but we won't get into it. Well, we will literally get into it, but uh, before <laughs> well, before well, before we go ahead, go no go go go. You got yeah, it. you got it. You got it. Uh, <laughs> before we before we dive into to the podcast, I want to talk about just kind of clarify a couple things from from the last show and uh, kind of some updates on where to get us. So. Prior to this episode, we were not yet available on Apple Podcasts. We now are. Uh, yay. But outside of that, we are probably posted pretty much everywhere you can imagine you'd find a podcast. Uh, Anchor, the application that kind of has helped us launch and get things going. They've got us just about everywhere you can find podcasts, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Um, and before we really got into the show, I wanted to give a, a quick shout out actually to um, – Guy who reached out to me on Twitter, he goes by the name of Boomy Nation. Uh, some of you guys may have heard of him, but he just recently started a channel uh, pretty pretty heavily based on Anthem content. He does a little bit more than Anthem, but he reached out through Twitter and was kind of like, hey, man, I, uh, I love the first episode, and I want to support you guys however I can. So he asked us if we could create him a short ad that he could air before all of his videos, which we um, very politely and quickly obliged. And you can now find that um, before all of his content. So I wanted to thank him on the show for doing that. You guys should check out his, his content. Um, and hopefully we see a lot from him going forward. But quick, quick shout out to Boomy. And um, so to kick things off, we wanted to do this a little bit on episode one, but there wasn't really enough time in the kind of shorter show layout that we did to fit this in. But we wanted to, to talk a little bit about some lore that we feel like is is maybe kind of on a need-to-know basis before you get into the story. And, and Soko, this is kind of going to be your realm. But um, it, at a glance, I'd love if we could get into you know some things that we just feel like uh, the player base should probably want or need to know going in on the 22nd. Soko, can I toss that over to you? Yeah, so um, we I know we briefly talked about it um, last show, um, but this one, here's, here's how I feel the story starts off. And this is going to be kind of like just trying to find a, a way to make it easier for people to understand. It is, this game takes place 500 years after the original Javelins were made um, with Helena Tarsus and... Um, Vesa, uh, Vesa being the one who created the one that actually created the javelins for uh, the people who protected Tarsus. Um, is is Vesa of any relation to Tarsus? No. At least that, at least that I saw so far. No. Okay. Um. So the way I see it, it's like King Arthur and her knights. Got it, got it. Um, be, and like Merlin is Vesa. Merlin's giving the tools to Tarsus and her knights to defend Fort Tarsus. And the way, like, for it's such a good backstory that it gives you, like, when you, as soon as you jump in as a freelancer, it's like, man. Like, it's just exciting to go, okay, cool. Like, I know why I'm here to protecting these people. I know why, I know why, like, they're such a, it's just a unique world. 
Yeah, I, I guess what what I was kind of wanting to uh, to dissect a little bit is I, I know that at launch we're not going to have uh, guilds, which I did clarify last night, Max. I re- researched it a tad bit. They've confirmed that guilds will be in-game, just not on the 22nd. So I'm assuming either sometime in March or maybe as late as April, hopefully not, you will have like a guild, which the way that experience works in the game is, is kind of interesting, and I guess we can pick that apart for a second. It doesn't necessarily, or you don't necessarily, have to be grouped up with um, like a specific squad or a specific team or a specific friends list. As long as you are playing the game with people, which that includes whether you jump into a quick play or you help a team that's in a quick play or a stronghold, like as long as you are with other players, you are getting that boosted experience. You're getting that boosted, you know, uh, maybe it's even loot, but I know for certain it's experience. Um, so it's like, there's always incentive to play with other people. And I find it really interesting that, you know, at least as the game begins, we are all quote unquote freelancers, but I know that we will have the option or the opportunity to pursue trials or, or, you know, quests for three different groups, the Sentinels, the Arcanists and the freelancers. Soko, do you know kind of any of the differentiations between those three? I haven't fully got into that part of it. Okay. Um, I just know like, the world itself was built with was supposed to be built within nine days, and the shapers, um, the gods, I would say, um, just ended up disappearing after the, like the fourth day, and that's why everything looks so like like floating rocks and and like yeah, kind of abandoned. Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks abandoned, but all the tools they used is is like still around, and that's what. And when they turn on randomly, no one knows how they're activated. And that's how the world gets shaped even more. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, that those things can be activated. Max, when, in your time with the demo or the VIP, did you notice or have any, like, free play opportunity and see um, – there, there would be, like, world events where you had to silence echoes. Did you ever see any of that? No, and it's actually, like, the, the free play aspect is one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to the most when it comes to launch is because it's the the least that I got to do. Most of the stuff that I did with the demo had to uh, be surrounded around the the content that was already there, the sure. the demo stuff. Um, but I know that like in the stronghold, that was what you were basically doing before you went to go and fight the big spider guy. It was that that those echoes and that whole thing that was turning off those like shaper relics. Right, right. So the the way that I understood it. Uh, and if anybody who's listening follows a uh, YouTuber, uh, my name is Bife. He put out like a 21 minute, um, everything you need to know about Anthem story and lore. And it's, it's incredible. Um, pretty much everything he's done for, for destiny is, is in, in that same scope, but he does a great job of, of kind of laying these things out. And what he talks about a bit about the echoes is those echoes are like pieces of, you know, of the Anthem, like the Anthem of creation is essentially, you know, it's, it is what the shapers were attempting to to harness, like whether for good or for bad. And I, I'm assuming we'll see some of that in the story, which, by the way, none of us have played the campaign, so we can't spoil anything. We literally don't know. Um, but it's it's going to be, I think, pretty, pretty important that there are characters who want to harness that anthem's power or the anthem's power for something positive or something, you know, uh, beneficial to the world of, of Bastion and then some who maybe don't. Uh, but what the echoes are are basically like, they're pieces of that of that anthem or of that technology that, unless silenced, can literally bring like wildlife into the world. Like, for example, in a demo when they had the titans that were coming through that that kind of world event, those are basically a byproduct of you know a shaper storm or something of the shapers. So it's like 
throughout the story, I'm assuming we're going to have opportunities to kind of, or to have to silence those echoes. And I think that that kind of speaks to a little bit of the lore itself um, as well. So is there anything else lore wise you wanted to, to dissect? Um, I noticed, I noticed they brought up the dominion is actually like an insect race, like an insect thing that just, uh, that just like forms are not the dominion is, yeah, the dominion is scars. No, yeah. the discar, the scars, the scars, the scars are the insects, right? Yeah. Yep. So that they basically take form of what they're fighting. Um, which I thought was, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But they're there to do the same. They're there to harness what Anthem is. They're trying to figure. They're trying to figure out the same the shapers technology, right? Um, and the same thing with the Dominion themselves. A bunch of like you know assholes. Um, <laughs> they're trying to steal, make javelin technology better than what Fort Tarsus has. Which, oh, in that same vein, I feel like the uh, other group that we're going to have opposition with, and I think they might be like the story's main protagonist group, is the Dominion. And I noticed, especially in free play, that. The Dominion are obviously also humans, but they are, in addition to Scar, but more directly, um, they're actually using, like, the Javelin exosuit technology. In fact, in many cases, when you're in free play or you're in a mission, I found myself making sure that I wasn't shooting someone on my team because they most often are wearing, like, Storm exosuits. So the Storm suit or the Storm uh, Javelin was actually totally created by the Dominion. It was adopted by the freelancers at the fort just to kind of harness, you know, that technology. And maybe we get into that in the campaign, but well, by the looks of it, it looks like most of the Dominion look very Storm-esque. Did y'all notice that? The, the Yes. You, yeah, you do fight. You do fight some Storm-esque people, yes. I, uh, I just, I feel like that's going to be, that's going to speak a lot to, and I don't necessarily know, I would love if this was more of like a fable, you know, type structure where I know that the things we say and the interactions we have with characters will change the, 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 the course of the campaign or how you interact with people. But I'd love to know if choosing a storm has anything different in regards to how you play the story. That'd be really interesting. Now, like just some more, just some more going off of like what Helena Tarsus had, like they had the Javelin of Dawn. That was like the first, like, javelin made um, by by Vesa and basically used by Tarsus to defend the colony. Um, okay. That, back then, like, the only thing, they, they didn't have guns yet. Guns weren't even thought of. So what they used was, like, broadswords and axes and stuff like that. Um, which I hope they bring back just as, like, a like a little, like, a nostalgic thing. Um, or just have them hanging on the wall somewhere. Um <laughs> But um, on on the javelin of dawn, the uh, the storm like little things that harness the powers. What do they call them? Um, like, they're all over the right arm of the storm. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the proper name for it though. I don't remember, yeah, those are were actually on the original javelin. Okay, and on the one that became the Colossus at some point. Yeah, it was actually based off the well. It was the Colossus first. Got it. And that's like that's what the Colossus was built off of. Okay, it's interesting. It is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so with it with it having it had the same thing as the storm on the arm, like at least at least to the photos what I of what I see, um, and it was able to like harness the same powers the storm had as a Colossus character, and I was like, that's pretty cool. 
heard off the world and how they built off of it 500 years later. Yeah, that's intense. I uh, I just I really really hope, and this is going to kind of segue directly into the next section. That I hope that the campaign gives us a lot of answers um, because I feel like this world is really dense, and I feel like it's really really possibly jam packed with stuff that unless you're really focused on the cutscenes and on the dialogue, you may actually miss some of. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, obviously the game for, for a lot of players is accessible right now. The um, the EA Origin access for PC and, and uh, some Xbox players got up to a 10 hour trial with the game already as well. So lots of people have gotten their hands on the game and tons of people are actually playing it literally as we speak. And there's been some some, I guess, early reviews. Yes, but definitely some clarity on things that have been tweaked or touched since what we know as the VIP demo slash demo. Um, and, and I've kind of got like a running list of these things, which, which I, I would love to break apart with you guys. But we, we talked on episode one a good bit about things we wanted to see change and things we wanted to see tweaked. Um, and I think we all kind of universally agreed that one of the biggest was just to fix the damn load times and to fix, you know, sort of the server issues and the disconnects. And, and for a lot of people, that seems to, to kind of have, you know, for the most part, been, been isolated, but we're seeing a lot of players, even on, on machines running like SSDs and, and PC rigs that are like phenomenal, that the game is pulling like a whole lot of CPU and that it's, it's actually like causing a little bit of, I don't want to say damage to console players, but like people are genuinely worried about how the game is going to be played on console on day one. Have y'all read or seen anything about this yet? Um, the only thing that I saw, I saw that several people were having uh, game crashes and, um, even during the demo, what I read was that some people had their consoles shutting down because they were overheating. So I'm wow. curious to see if that continues or if that's something that they're going to tweak a little bit. And I don't even know. I mean, I guess they're going to have to like lower frame rates and stuff, which which sucks a lot. But yeah, um, that's my biggest concern, too. Um, I, I know that I know that a lot of the, the devs have been like constantly tweeting and, and at people on Twitter like, hey, look, you know, these are things that we're monitoring like. We don't expect or we shouldn't ever have to expect that, you know, a player on a console would need a solid state drive to play our game, like period. So expect, again, even ample more fixes by the 22nd. But I got to tell you, and maybe this is like kind of a pessimistic way to look at it. I don't really know that the game was was fully ready for this past week to come out based on what I'm seeing. There have been and this is the part that really kind of shook me because, man, if this happened to me, I'd, I'd probably be up in arms. Uh, there were some players who, in the middle of a campaign mission or going into the end of a campaign mission, they were having an issue where either one of two things was happening, either where a cutscene in its entirety was spoiled for them, like whether it maybe preemptively played early or it was cut out completely. And when that happens, there, at least right now, there's no way to go back and replay that specific campaign mission. So we're, we're seeing people that are quite literally missing, like, meaty story content because of some sort of lag or glitch out and that's got to be ridiculously upsetting you know um so i i'd really hope that for 20 second we we don't kind of see some of those bugs or some of those flaws but um i i didn't know if you guys had read or seen anything about uh performance so far but man i, I really hope that um we still get some of these things sorted out by by friday yeah and i'm sure if you've got developers that are literally tweeting people directly Right. Um, then you know it's on their radar, and that means that they're definitely working on it. And with a game of this magnitude, like it's really hard for just the average person, you know what I mean, like to to be able to put themselves out of the consumer shoe, so to speak. Right. Um, but 
when you start to look at some of this stuff, like I think that it's really impressive to know that these guys are paying that close attention to the community. And it really gives me hope for where the game is going to head, because that means that already they're connected with the, the, the team of people that are playing this and literally using them as almost developers, which is, which is a really cool turn. And and yeah, I, I, you know, it's upsetting that if something were to glitch out, that would, you know, probably aggravate me quite a bit if I was able, if I was really into something and then this glitch caused me to miss it. Like, yeah, that would really break the whole atmosphere of, of the game. But at the same time, it's really, really cool to see that they're already responding to people and saying, Hey, we got this on our radar and we are working on it. Definitely. I mean, I I can't think of another game that has been and and destiny kind of really ultimately got there maybe with destiny two and and post forsaken stuff. But as far as the developers being overly transparent, like, like you said, like who is going to in the first couple of days of the game's launch, admit that some of the crashes and some of the bugs and and fixes that are needed are, are 100% not only as big of an issue as they are, but that they're already possibly going to be tweaked within a week's time. Like, I mean, that's, that's really all you can ask for, you know? I mean, Soko, I don't know if you've ever played like a long running, like a live service game outside of your brief uh, stint with destiny, but have you, uh, have you ever like had a game where as far as like issues like that, they were, they are dressed pretty publicly and so quickly or or, like, what's your take on that? Um, I'm going to say I've no, never, never played a game like that in that aspect. Um, like I, I'm, I'm into like the arc evolution games and like uh, Conan the Barbarian, like where you have to like basically build your house and live like that. Those are updated frequently. Yeah, but never, uh, never something to this like magnitude. Um, like the way they're the way they're describing on how they're going to support the game sounds so promising, but it's all going to depend on like. I want to see what they're going to do with the console since the PC guys kind of already have it. Um, Cause like to our audience themselves, like we're, we're mainly playing this game on PS4. Um, we're not going to be really diving into what the computer side of the game of the game. Right. So just to make that clear for everyone. Um, so I, I'm wondering how it's going to look day one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, on that same note, I, I had a lot of people, uh, kind of across Twitter and some, some streamers and some, some bloggers type about this as well, that they noticed some things that were a little bit unexpected when it came to the campaign and its structure. So um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was basically said that, you know, from the word go, uh, you know, right after the tutorial, you can run just about everything with another player or with a group of players. But some people were running into a lot of um, complication when it came to doing the campaign with a group of people for, for some of these reasons. Um, some things that were happening were, do you guys remember in the demo you would get, if you got separated from your team, especially in a stronghold for more than a few seconds, you'd be kind of quickly tethered back to the rest of the group? Yep. Well, in the, in the base campaign, what they're seeing is, one – when you go to do, say, say Max is on a story mission and he's, you know, maybe he's a mission ahead of us or maybe we're on the same mission and Max fires it up and we hop on and we go to join him. If Max is just, say, a few frame rates ahead of us in time, because all of the javelins, despite which one you choose, all fly at the same speed, we would, as say Soko and I join you, we're never able to catch up to you. So what's happening is essentially, unless you actually stop movement, it, the whole campaign mission becomes a tether back, tether back, tether back. And in those tethers, 
you're missing quest dialogue, you're missing NPC dialogue, and mm. you're possibly missing some of the vocal prompts from the characters that you're engaging with. Now, to me, this is where the problem really comes in, is based on the decisions that we all make, or at least this is what we've been led to believe so far, how we interact with NPCs, what decisions we make you know, to and from the fort, drastically kind of change how people view you in the game. So my question is, if we missed some of that dialogue, when that mission splits and we all go to our own you know, Fort Tarsus, who's to say that we might not have some dialogue or some, some uh, conversation that we might have literally missed because of the fact that when joining in, not only does that person have a different relationship with those characters or with that story mission, but we might have come in and also joined that side of things. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but it, I'm seeing a lot of people say that when it comes to the base campaign, they actually recommend you run it solo. Like the strongholds, yes. The, the contracts, yes. But the actual campaign missions, if nothing else, for, for linear quality, people are saying that maybe, honestly, right now, solo may be the way to go. Um, do what do you think about that? Do you know if it, if it is affected? So I've played other, other games that have kind of been like that, where you can join into other people's stories. Do you know if it is one of those things where, so say if you're two or three missions ahead of where I am and I were to join on or you were to join on me, sure. would that like affect my story progression? Would See, I that's be a able good to question. join you three missions ahead? Or I, As far as I understand, and I could definitely be wrong on this, but I think that unless you – like say that the, the analogy you just used, say that I'm like three story missions ahead of you and you go to join me. I don't think unless you have quote-unquote access to that mission yet that you can do it. So I think that the game will roadblock you from going into story content that you haven't done yet, but it will not stop you from kind of getting bits and pieces cut out through the tethering system. That's, yeah. that's how I've read it so far. Okay. Um, so that's, that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure, again, with, with the diligence that they've got uh, at the studio and with the devs, I think that even some of that may be fixed on day one. But I definitely think that, um, at least as far as the connectivity issues, I mean, we're going to get to that, but the server's... Uh, as far as the load screens are still pretty brutal in, in the game. So I'm hoping that, again, on the 22nd, they're expecting a lot smoother and a continuously cleaner experience. But I, um, they, they're suggesting that if you really want to not risk that, that when you run your base campaign, that you have your, your uh, session set to private, which would also limit you know connectivity issues because people wouldn't be able to join on you or go to do a quick play type setting. But I do, I do think that for, for it being such a team focused game that I would love to see some of that sorted out a bit, you know? Yeah. Speaking um, of, uh, speaking of story roadblocks, uh, there was something you actually tweeted out <clears throat> for those of you that aren't following yet. It's at uh, javelin radio on Twitter. Um, it, there was something you tweeted out yesterday. I think that was an article that was talking about what people are calling the wall with yes. the, the grind out on yes. free play. Um, and I was, I, I'm kind of like, I have a really mixed opinion on it because uh, like I, I based on what the article is saying, let me, let me give you that first. The article is saying that once you complete a certain number of story missions, there is a thing that you have to do in order to move that forward. And it has to do with unlocking strongholds. Is that right? Or, or what was it? Um, it's, uh... So it's, it's something called tombs. That's it. Um, and, and go on. But I think, I think you've got it. Yeah. So basically you have to unlock four of them. And in order to do that, there are a handful of things you have to accomplish. Some of them may be to collect a certain number of loot items. Some of them may be to get a certain number of multi-kills and that sort of thing. Um, and I have such a mixed opinion on it because 
free play is one of the things that I'm actually really looking forward to with this game. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's a thing that I love about open world games is you can literally play through the story and then just have hours of exploring the world and unlocking things and doing all this kind of stuff. So I think that it's an interesting, it, it's not an unheard of concept, right? Other games that have an open world thing do this all the time. They, they send you out into the world and force you to interact with the, the quote-unquote planet you're living on. Yep. yep. But in, in this situation, it seems a little over the top um, because some of, the, some of the things don't even make sense in the way that you would think of normal things. Like I was reading through the article and it was talking about multi-kills and it's saying people are getting really frustrated because they're tweeting out saying they're getting multi-kills, but it's not affecting. It's them. not counting. Yeah. And the response was because the, I, the, the concept of a multi-kill in this game is different than other ones. A multi-kill is not killing multiple enemies at one time. It's actually killing a certain number of enemies in a certain period of time. Correct. So it's kill an enemy. You have what? 10 seconds to kill another one. Um, and you have to do eight to get a quote unquote multi-kill. Eight um, consecutively, right? Yes. Wow. And, okay. And so people are getting really frustrated because they're not understanding the terminology that they're using and they're doing these kinds of things. And uh, the article said that they're already being responded to by developers saying that they're, they're possibly going to tweak this before I, launch I, day. Yeah, I did see that. After I shared that article, I saw that they were already looking at the quote unquote, like almost aggressive nature of yeah. some of the tasks. Well, and that, that's because that's what the, the community is calling it. The community is calling it over the top and aggressive. And, yeah. and they're using those, that type of terms, which has got to make you nervous as a developer. Oh, absolutely. Especially, especially on a you know, week one basis where we're talking, like you said, and I think this is important to note, this is not a side quest. This is not a, you know, I can go do this as, a, as an addition to the campaign. This is a literal block in the campaign. Um, right. and, and I think that's the scary part, but, but I did see, I think it was either, um, Ben Irving or Mike Gamble tweeted like, yes, like we're looking at feedback on both that quest itself and of just quite how grueling it is. Cause I, I was seeing people on Twitter, man, saying that like just that little small section alone was taking them hours as to what would have may have taken longer than what they had done in the whole campaign up to it. Like that's, that's yeah. insane. Well, and, and people that only got the 10 hours, they're saying that they ran out of time after playing through the the story missions that they had, they then hit this quote unquote wall, which took up the rest of their, oh, their wow. time. Yeah. I see what and, you mean. And so like, that's, that's gotta be super disappointing for somebody that isn't a PC player that went and joined this uh, community to just so they could have 10 hours with this game and right. then to have it basically taken away from them by developers. Like that's, that would be frustrating. I could see that, that being a, a heartache. No, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I, Max, I know you saw some of this, Soko. You've probably seen some of this in some, in really any game. I feel like there's some version of this that ends up having to get tweaked or, or quote unquote nerfed. But like, you saw a lot of this in, in, uh, in Destiny, like, you know, 50 headshot kills or three yep. kills while, while using a void, you know, weapon or whatever. Like, there's tons of stuff like that. But like, but it wasn't saw, a part of the story. Exactly. Is almost never was that a part of a, of a, in fact, maybe never was it a part of a true campaign. And if it was, the ones that really were a part of the campaign were, were really straightforward. It was the ones where, you know, you got a little in depth that you were probably on some sort of like exotic quest or something for a really, you know, high tier weapon or gear piece that you would expect a bit of a grind, you know, like have they scaled things back? Yes, absolutely. But I think to kind of wrap that topic up, I think that that's something that when you have that experience on day one, that's a little daunting, you know? Um, so outside of that, 
Uh, I wanted to kind of ask if either of you guys, Max, I know you scroll through the Twitter a little bit, but I know that the microtransaction thing was like a big, like, oh God, it's going to be $30 for a skin and oh, it's EA. I hate EA, blah, blah, blah. But everyone kind of got their hands on the microtransaction side of things. And that didn't seem to be the case. Um, Did y'all see anything in regards to how the microtransactions actually look inside of the game as we see so far? I know I saw something yesterday, but I can't exactly remember what it was. I just remember someone saying, talking about um, they could they could pay for a certain like armor piece and a certain like color and a certain like um, texture. And I, honestly, I'd be okay with that. All you're doing is customizing the character for yourself. Um, but it's it's not like it's adding any any kind of special like defense to your character. Right. It's strictly cosmetic. Strictly right. cosmetic. Which um, I'm okay and, with. Like, if you if they want us to if they want us to pay a little bit for like cosmetic stuff, and you can still earn in game. Either way, because um, that's that's what I was, that's what they're talking about saying that um you can buy it as well as you can just grind for it. Right. And right. I was like, that's fine. Like, if I saw a piece I really wanted, I'll drop the money for it. Yeah, and that that's something that I was really like uh, a few weeks ago. I went back and watched the announcement trailer. Um, and, and not the announcement trailer, the announcement, uh, it was a press release, I believe, but, uh, I, I was watching through that and that was where I, you know, I sent you guys that information about, um, about microtransactions and how they were talking about, it's not going to be anything that's going to affect the abilities side of things, right? That it is a hundred percent going to be skins. And to me, like, I, I think that that's an, that's an impressive, uh, approach for EA because in, in the past EA used to be pretty bad with microtransactions so you could you could basically pay to, to win, win. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah um and and it was it was really really bad so i'm happy to know that this is this is going to be one of those things where um you know you're not going to be able to buy something that's going to make you more powerful which i know that we're not doing any pvp stuff at this point but if they ever do introduce a pvp side of things that's going to make stuff the the playing field so much more level Oh, and uh, and and I'm okay with the way that they're approaching microtransactions in this one, um, because kind of like what Soko is saying is is from the way that I can understand it as of now, it does look like not only can you just buy those customization things, but you can unlock them if you grind them out. And so, right, right. So I'm, I'm totally and, down and what with I it. also noticed, and to kind of get into some of the details on what we're now seeing in the game, the the stuff that's in the microtransaction store. So whether it be like uh, components or, or uh, like materials for building gear or full fledged, like armor sets, those things are on a 10 day um, cycle. So every 10 days, those items will fluctuate out for, for some new batch of content or some new batch of, of weapons or whatnot. But what I did also like was a lot of, and again, these are people that play the game for a living. So let's keep that into, into consideration. But a lot of people were saying that after just, you know, maybe a day or two of playing the game pretty consistently, they had enough coin to buy, for the most part, what they wanted from that batch of content or from that batch of, 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 of sale items. So I feel like if you are the type of player that, that plays this game routinely or regularly, you're going to get what you want from the microtransaction side of things. You know, I don't think we're in a pay-to-win situation. I don't think we're in a situation where, oh, God, unless you can drop $20 on that, you're not going to get it. Like, we're not there, um, and hopefully we don't get there. But what we're seeing, it, it looks like a very realistic uh, microtransaction model. Um, and that's, that's, that's good to know. Um, another thing I wanted to, to touch base on, and, and Max, I kind of want to hand this over to you, uh, steal a spotlight for me for a little bit. 
your segment we we want to do about your favorite moment of the game. We uh, sadly we can't participate in that this week, uh, but we did have a little bit of a flavor we wanted to throw on that. Um, Max, you want to take it away? Yeah. So uh, we wanted to kind of talk about what they we're looking the most forward to. Um, and so, you know, I had already talked about kind of free play and exploring that world. Um, and, and that's mostly for me has come from watching what people are already putting out on YouTube and are putting out on, on Twitter and, uh, some of the people that are live streaming. Um, there's just, there's, there are incredible things that if you're not digging around the, the planet, you're never going to find it. And so for me, I'm looking the most forward to getting out into that world and to just running around and hunting and, and running into some of these titans and, and the exploration the, piece, yeah, yeah, man, I think it's going to be incredible because from what I'm what I'm seeing is there's so much to this planet that we're going to be thrown into because again, we are humans, but we don't know how we got to this planet. We're not from Earth, so like the, the even the people that we're playing as that stuff is is from what I understand only going to be parsed out by exploring, yeah, by getting into the planet, and so. For me, I'm really, really looking forward to getting out there and trying on a couple of different javelins and seeing how the world reacts. So, yeah, um, I think I think that's awesome that you brought up the fact that you know, unless you take that time in free play, you may really miss out on a lot of of, of lore content. You know, like I was seeing some people saying, "Hey, you know, the question that most people get asked when the the base story cam you know campaign comes out, how long does it take to beat? Like, can I do it in ten hours? Can I do it in five hours?" Well, I mean, that's probably up to you, but in a game like Anthem, I feel like you're doing a disservice, you know, probably to yourself if you don't stop and smell the roses, you know? Like, I feel like yeah. this this world is massive. The world is beautiful. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. How much time did we spend taking basically selfies in the demo? Like, it's, <laughs> right, it is, yeah, right. it's fun to look at. Um, now, so, I, I, <laughs> go ahead. No, like, just going off what Max was saying, like, uh, I didn't realize that I took off the entire weekend for this launch. <laughs> I am, wow I am hell off, yeah <laughs> i am off friday saturday and sunday apparently i can't stand you um, <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that was the case but just look at my schedule i was like oh look at that shit uh um, yeah i was like that's dope uh so i know they were talking about um like like you were saying max like traveling the exploring the world and finding these random titans that you have to fight and um, which is, I think that that alone is like, okay, hey guys, let's go find some kick-ass Titan. Let's go see if we can kill it. Um, yeah. I did notice that in the cutscenes for some of the story, they actually like, it's not a generic javelin. No, yeah, it's, it's like you're seeing your you face. Have. Exactly. It's like, you have, it's like you have your javelin in the scene. And I think that's so awesome. Now, wondering if they're going to do the same thing with your partners with you. See, I think that answer is no, and I feel like that in part is why people are, are kind of being a little bit uh, a little bit hesitant about running the, the story campaign with another player. And that's because, one, you're always only going to see you in terms of those entry segments from, from what I've seen uh, on stream. But in addition to that, like, say that you or I are running a campaign and the way we want to respond, you know, to a dialogue section or to a, a situation is different, that – might definitely impact the story going forward for your 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 peer or the person you're playing with and i feel like as a game that is such focus on group play i'm really curious to see how that stuff actually matters like could for example soko make a decision in a campaign mission that we're running or 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 you know respond to something uh in a campaign mission that 
actually change the flow of the rest of my story? I mean, what do y'all think about that? Ooh, that's a good question. If it affects the other person's story, that is a damn good question. Um, and, you know, and, and that's that was my so when when they first started talking about and again, this is mostly because I went back and listened to that press release. But what I, what I was wondering about the most when they were talking about how Fort Tarsus changes and evolves. So this is a uh, it, it, I'm blanking on the term that I was trying to use here. Um, it's a social game, but your solo your solo exists at Tarsus. So what that means is that as you play the game, as you go through the stories, as you explore the world, as you un- unlock lore, that all affects the way that Tarsus looks. That affects what yes. people yeah. are in Tarsus. That affects, um, which we, we talked about this last time where we were talking about how um, every time you would load in, there was that guy in that first little hallway that you could talk to and that his his dialogue changed almost every time that we we launched into it. So we already saw a little bit of that in the demo, but what does that mean for when you are out in the world and you're doing free play with friends or you're running story missions together? Like every time we tried to launch something during the demo, it would give us that pop-up of this game is best played with friends. And it would try to force you <laughs> right. into being publicly um, like uh, launching. And, and I just got to wonder how much thought they've put into this affecting that story because yeah. bioware is incredible for their stories they had to have thought about this right exactly that's the way i look at it is like for a studio that is so renowned for storytelling for for the fact that and i know that this is the the glitch slash you know bug side of things with the story cutscenes being spoiled this that and the other but that aside it makes me wonder like is the best strategy at launch going to be everyone's working on their campaign and as far as the side missions, the contracts, the strongholds, those things they should be encouraged to group up for. Because I feel like if that's the case, which that's how I'm personally reading into it right now, that otherwise you risk you know, what could be jeopardizing your version of the campaign, if you will. But like, if not handled that way, what risk is there? Like to Soko's point, like, you know, that could, that's, a, that's a, an amazing question. Like, what if one thing that one player on your squad did or said changes your personal flow of the campaign so i feel like while there is the max i mean literally every loading screen i feel like you saw it you know the game is best played with friends the game is best played with friends yep. cool good but um what happens when friend uh has me tethered to a cutscene that i wasn't ready for or an interaction that i wasn't ready for like those things scare me so i feel like for me as a player who for the most part does play solo to begin with i think i kind of want to treat the campaign like i'm going to work on my base or what they call the critical path alone and yeah. all other contracts strongholds side missions free play gets done in a group you know because well, i feel like there's not yet maybe a safe other approach to it but max what do you got my only question with that though is that those side missions those side quests those side hustles all show up because of the decisions you make playing the story that's every true. single one of your side missions comes from the amount of time that you've put in for each of the three groups so does that mean that if I, say, focus on the archivists, right? If I, if I spend all of my time helping the archivists build up their archives, am I going to miss out on missions from the other two people? And will I only get to play it 
if, say, you two focus on the other two groups. It, exactly what I was going to say. So, like, right, in right. that case, wouldn't you think it encourages Soko to go one group and me to go another? Like, that's a really interesting concept. And and that, that's what I was going to say is, is it almost – it. and, again, we're not into the game and we're not hearing – nobody's really talking about that because I guess a lot of people are doing this kind of solo and just pulling in a few people here and there. But the fact that there are three of us, there are three different groups, like, it's very interesting – Yeah to think about should should that be a concept that a group of friends or a group of people that are going to play this game together should be talking. Yeah. I think, I think the only insight I have on that question is I think, and I, I can't quote who it was, but someone stated that say that you chose to work with the Arcanists or you chose to work with Sentinels or, or you stayed a freelancer that at some point you would eventually get to experience what all three of those offered if you played the game long enough. Now, I'm fairly certain I saw that somewhere. Now, what kind of gameplay cycle that gives to you and how long that may take, who the hell knows, you know? But yeah. if I felt like it was mentioned that don't worry about, you know, being restricted from content, you just may have to wait some time on that. But again, I don't know that hmm. we'll really know that for even a few weeks, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. Um, <sighs> what, do you, what do you think, Soko? It's kind of upsetting that with it being Bioware involved that in the cutscenes and in the story itself, that it's not more like Mass Effect. Um, yeah. Where Mass Effect, no matter what party members you brought with you, they were in the story and they had their own unique way of responding. See, that's awesome. I never, I never got to experience Mass Effect, so I'm, I'm kind of out all, of that one. I've played all of Mass Effect, and no matter what, like you had a choice of every in every game, you had a choice of like eight different companions to bring with you. Always up to three only, um, oh, only two, like you and you and your two others. Okay, and, you know, mm-hmm. and no matter who you brought, they had something different to the scenario. So if like you had one guy that was pro not fight, and then the other guy was pro fight, they would argue while you're trying to decide on the quick. Cut the quick, uh, the quick, uh, like selection of decisions, answers. right? Yeah, and they're arguing in the background, so it kind of puts more tension on you to answer the question, like whose side you're going to choose, and it's going to affect your relationship with that person. I see, I see that we we know it's all live players, so hmm. then that part couldn't be involved, but it would be great if they would at least be in the scene with it, had their own voices, right? That's why I didn't like the idea of it only being one voice. Um, yeah, I see that. And they can like actually interact in the scene. Yeah, because I guess I guess to me, and, and again, uh, primarily a solo player, even with games that often are team focused, I feel like if 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 Max and I are playing a story mission, and when the cutscene happens, if either my character or Max's character isn't involved in that cutscene, the game is almost saying there's no difference of whether you did this alone or whether you did this in a team. Like some games encourage the team play to make the content easier. Some people encourage team play to make it more dynamic because of things like combos and, you know, uh, kind of parring off of each other's abilities is amazing in Anthem from what we've played so far. But it makes you wonder, there seems to be a part of the game that is heavily encouraged to be played in a group. And then there's a very small section that they almost maybe want you to do alone. But I feel like because of the fact that combat is is seemingly scaled always for that four man team, how could you really separate the two comfortably? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. But um, to Max's question, so I guess Max kind of gave his answer already. What is what is like the single handed, you know, most looking forward to thing for you right now? 
Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> man. Uh, Sorry, guys. He does another podcast between uh, the 30-minute mark of our pad- podcast and the other ones. So he kind of bounces back and forth between the two. Who? You. Me. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you ever hear Soko not paying attention, he's recording uh, his other podcast on the side table. Oh, man. Um, I'm just kidding. No, he no, hasn't stopped no, staring no, at the screen it, yet. It, it just, like, I'm, I'm more I want to I want to know more about the story like I want to know more like that's what I want to look that's what I'm looking forward to I want to go searching and learn about the history of everything and like I want to see these cutscenes play out hopefully perfectly uh, which what I'm hearing is not um, but uh for the I just I just hope they tweak everything enough to where we're like okay we can piece like PS4 wise um, enjoy the actual storyline of the game. Yeah, that's what, I, uh... that's what I'm looking forward to. Honestly, look, I'm into the customization. I'm kind of upset that I can't customize my ja- my javelin pilot. Um, I could choose, <laughs> I could choose a very type of little ones, but I wanted to create his hair. I wanted to change his. Oh yeah, line. I needed a beard. I wanted to give him like one wide eye to say like he's been at war for years. Put a scar, <laughs> put a scar in his face. Maybe give him a ponytail just to do it. Um, uh, so uh, join in next week when we launch uh, Soko's backstory for his javelin pilot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but and then I, I'm definitely looking forward to on it. I'll, I'll say the most thing, not even the story, the customization of the javelins. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking to like make some like like um, some like Ronin warriors and some like just themed javelins. Yeah, like yeah. I can't wait. Like, oh, that's Batman. That's Iron Man. Okay, yeah, they're all hanging out. Yeah, exactly. All hanging out. Um, so I guess for me, it, it's tough uh, to pick one specific thing. But if if I narrowed it down to one, I'm going to have to say what Endgame looks like. Um, because uh, the game that I obviously sunk the most time into, this is going to be ridiculous how many times this comes up on the show. If y'all just want to edit me out when I start Destiny ranting, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but Destiny plays a lot like what I think Anthem will play like. When you beat the campaign, that's the beginning for you, you know, like that's, that's when you truly decide what am I interested in? Do I want to hit max power? Do I want to be the strongest possible? Do I want to, do I want to be a collector or an explorer? Like what, what, what are your, what are your focuses on post campaign? And what I'm already feeling like I'm seeing is that the campaign for Anthem is so much bigger than a campaign like destiny or a campaign, like, you know, a call of duty or a Titanfall even, but I feel like there are 40 hours into this game that are not done what you'd call the critical path. And and that's, that's again, still the starting point. So I feel like I'm extremely excited to see, like, how easy is it for me to get sidetracked during the campaign? Am I going to find myself exploring for three or four hours and completely forgetting, you know, about that story mission? I want it to kind of take me away. Uh, but I just hope that it kind of holds my hand a little bit in the process too. You know, like, I'd love to see... Um, some tutorials about kind of like, you know, options I have in the game. One thing that I found surprising, um, someone tweeted this out, that you don't get any sort of tutorial uh, on the combat system or how the combos work. I, I saw think that's that kind of well. disappointing. Yeah. yeah I, 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 so I have mixed feelings about it, right? Because, man, this is this is going to be the story of my life, the mixed feelings. Right. Uh, but, like, the the fact that there there is no tutorial, so that means that I'm not going to spend two hours of this game going, Hey, uh, you want to see how to get all the best combos? And then it just throws all this, this yeah, garbage at that's you, true. you know, because that, so that's one of the things that has frustrated me about some of these games in the past is 
uh, even even Destiny to to a point would get to a point where they wanted you to do a specific thing and you almost had a trash mob that was just standing there waiting for you to demolish them. And that, to me, breaks the flow of a story. And so I'm really interested to see how this game does handle it because I'm willing to bet that at some point, whether it's through dialogue or it's through something else, that the game did tell you how to do it. You just missed it. And so, like, that, that's one of the things that I'm kind of interested to see how, how they do that. Because even with Mass Effect, that's the way that Mass Effect did it sometimes, is they would not necessarily throw these, like, this trash mob that was waiting for you to toss a grenade into the middle of it. But they would have a huddle up, and one of the other people on your team would remind you to use a grenade. Or they would remind right. you to do this or to do that. And so we have, what's the little dude's name, the, um, the voice inside of the Javelins? What's his name? Oh, is that your your cipher? Yeah, you have your you have your cipher who is going to have do your Peter that. Dinklage. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, is going to do do some of that for you. Is they're going to be telling you some of that stuff? And I'm willing to bet that at some point during the first couple of missions, he made a comment of you know give him a one two or whatever it is. Yeah, um, that is a really good point because Ghost kind of helps you out a lot of Destiny. There's always like that mm-hmm. little side companion of like, hey, buddy, in case you haven't noticed, you're supposed to go left. You know? <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, hope, I hope you're right. Like while we may not get a, a handheld intro to combos, like there are tons of games that just kind of throw you in and you take maybe 10, 15 minutes of looking really stupid and you figure it out, you know? So I, yeah. I hope that that's what we, um, what we end up getting here. But um. So we're we're probably right at around runtime, I would say, for the week. Um, is there anything you guys want to to close with as far as when, you know when when can we expect um, when can we expect episode two? Do you guys want to talk about? Or excuse me, episode two. This is actually episode two. Um, <laughs> don't don't worry about that. Um, but when do you guys think realistically we will probably be expecting more content from us in the next week or so? Yes. I would say yes. Um, yeah. The game, the game at, at the time of recording episode two, guys, we're, we're currently uh, Monday the 18th. So we've got a few days left before launch. Um, what I think we all love to do is for the next time we meet up for this to be uh, finally our first hands-on impressions of the game. So I'd say expect Ooh. about a week or so from now, uh, we'll probably dive in for some more content. But we really, at our own pace, uh, want to really finally get to play this game. So again, thank you guys for listening. Um, you can expect that we will first be uh, hosted on Anchor probably sometime this evening, sometime Monday evening, and you guys should see us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, everywhere else Anchor has so graciously put us in the just, next couple of days. Just um, something so again, I want to bring up <laughs> yeah. before you close this out. I hear you going to the end. Give me a second, man. <laughs> um, you got it, boss. You got it. Um, one thing I think for – especially with the game coming out so close, I feel that we – we owe it to the people. We owe it to the people to do one while playing. Mm. Damn, I feel that. Mm. I'm telling you, like if we could do it, if we could do it, we could talk about like while playing game. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if that ooh was a real life. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, waiting for more. I was so right, I, was, I was like really, really ready for that. <laughs> I was um, leaning into my iPad and I didn't even know it. I was just like, what? Right. What? <laughs> Sweat. I just, I just think like just us actually talking about live in game, saying like what we don't like. Oh, wait, this control feels different. How y'all feel on your, your javelin? Like that alone. Yeah, I would, live I would, talk uh, would be great. Yeah, I would say we can definitely not rule that out. 
Um, as far as our schedules go, sometimes it's tough to get the three of us in that type of setting. But I would say most definitely that is something we want to do um, within the next several weeks. Absolutely. Because um, I'd love to just be able to kind of, you know, have an authentic feel as well of like, hey, this is us actually doing this now. The, the first and second time you guys have heard us, we've only had a little bit of time to sink in the game, you know, and I think that's why we're, we're kind of really excited for the future of the show and, and hopefully involving you guys more, you know, to take community questions to really just sink into a game that we've really only gotten the teaser of, you know. So I will say this, that the, the game comes out on Friday, the 22nd. Um, personally, I'm probably going to get a little bit of game time that night and a little bit of game time across the weekend, but my real dive in time is going to be Monday, the 25th and Tuesday, the 26th. My gamer tag on PlayStation 4 is uh, Max Tone C, M-A-X-T-O-N-E-C. Uh, if anybody wants to join, join up and come check this out with me, we'll be there. Anybody Absolutely. else? What, what do y'all schedules look like? Yeah, Soko, you take it. Well, currently, uh, my schedule is definitely off all weekend, apparently, <laughs> um, which I had no idea, but I'm down with it. Um, Jealous. I'm, yeah, I'm, all, I'm off till Monday, man. Friday to Monday. It's pretty insane. So I'm probably, probably going to be putting in the most time possible, especially trying to take that Colossus into the next level for my life. Um, so <laughs> if, uh, on, on PS4, if you want to come join me, uh, it's Soko316, says I just whooped your ass. Um, S-O-C-O-316. <laughs> He's really a friendly guy, I promise. <laughs> you can come join me there if you want. What about you, Peep? Uh, well, that's that's half my gamer tag right there. Um, <laughs> so I, as far as my schedule goes, Soko, to be honest with you, we might be able to link up for a chunky little bit of time on Friday if you're willing to get up early. Uh, because my, my game plan was this. I originally took off Friday and Saturday to just like dive headfirst into this game. Um, I took, I took, I think I think I took vacation time on Saturday. Yeah. As it turns out, <laughs> this Saturday is my dad's 50th birthday. Whoa. Hey. So I have to, uh, I don't have to, I want Happy to. Happy birthday, I'm daddy peeps. Uh, we're going to, right. Papa peep, uh, big five. but we, uh, we're going to hang out, out, out by his place Saturday night, catch a parade and, and maybe do a little drinking. But then I also work on Sunday. So my game time is leaning really, really heavily to Friday. Um, and then again, Monday and Tuesday, hopefully a pretty decent amount as well. Uh, I have a couple of friends of mine actually that I can't wait for the two of you guys to meet. Uh, my buddy, uh, buddy who moved real, real close to me for several years, worked together. He hit me up and was like, Hey man, I'm thinking about buying a console and buying Anthem. So, you know, I hear that's a game you're playing and I'm like, yeah, dude, absolutely. So Soko, if you want to link up Friday and and hopefully try to run some campaign, I'm going to be, I'm going to be at it early. And I guess we'll find out if, uh, if we do the same campaign missions together, do we get screwed? And we'll kind of play it by ear if we need to break off. But, I mean, I'd, I'd be down to get some time in. If you guys can find me on PlayStation as well, uh, gamer tag is dat, D-A-T, peep like the candy, P-E-E-P. Um, so I'll be on probably a good bit on Friday. Don't hesitate to, even if you just want to drop me a message or throw a flare at me, I don't care. I'll be, I'll be standing there. Um, don't we still have a couple more shout-outs before we roll out? Uh, we do actually want to bring uh, one more out for sure. Um, so a buddy of ours uh, by the name of Mr. Greg Labry uh, has, a, hey. has a podcast that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. Um, these guys basically group up once a week and give like just a really, really awesome uh, pop culture kind of breakdown, but not necessarily pop culture. These guys are, are diving into to current TV shows. They're huge comic guys. So expect DC stuff, Marvel stuff, a breakdown of just just contemporary uh, awesomeness is how I think Greg would describe it. But uh, don't hesitate to check those guys out, man. That podcast is the Awesome Village podcast. 
Um, you can find them on Apple Podcasts. And because I can't comfortably tell you where else, let's just go with that. Um, <laughs> and other than that, again, I want you guys to check out my guy, Boomy Nation. I cannot thank him enough for reaching out the way he did after just our first episode. Uh, so thanks to you as well, man. Anything you guys want to throw in before we close? Uh, don't forget to follow uh, Javelin Radio on, on everywhere you can find it, especially Twitter Every as well. possible place, uh, which is right now Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah man so i uh i peep slash cody uh i am the 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 twitter holic as far as javelin radio is concerned so what i just try to do there guys is just throw out articles you guys might want to hear some things we might eventually talk about on the show but even even through launch i hope to keep that as active as possible for you guys and hey if y'all have questions for for episode three it's obviously going to be a big one it's going to be our first kind of hands-on moment with the game so if you guys want to throw some questions to that twitter please do not hesitate um, but otherwise, guys, anything else? Uh, you can also hop onto the Anchor application. Uh, if you follow our podcast on Anchor, you can send us audio messages. Uh, and if anybody does share any of those things with us, we might uh, throw them into the podcast and respond uh, live. So hey, make hey, sure you go and do that. And guys, I hope you don't mind me. Uh, I want to close it out with a little thing that I found that I think is pretty awesome. And we can end the podcast on that. Absolutely. Y'all ready? Yay. Uh, cue the dramatic music. In the beginning, we were slaves to the violent chaos of this world. But there was one among us who rose up to lead us out of darkness. The one who followed became the Legion of Dawn and protected those who could not protect themselves. In the end, she traded her life for our future. <laughs>